Good day to you. Welcome along to the LARB. This is episode number 168. And I'm Larry G. McGuire. I'm your host here. I'm a writer and artist. You'll catch my stuff over on larrygmcguire.com. And this podcast show is for creatives, for artists, writers, uh, musicians, um, solo operators, craftspeople, um, coffee makers, baristas, in other words, uh, street sweepers, accountants, doesn't matter what you do. If you're making and doing for the inherent enjoyment in the work as a primary goal, as a primary motivator, well then this is a show for you. Because that's what I write about and that's what I talk about and that's what lights my fire is to continue to spread this idea that making stuff, doing stuff, whatever it is, first and foremost for the enjoyment that we get out of it, is of primary concern for everybody. And the reason um, most of us, a lot of us, many of us, feel the way we do, you know, discontented, is because we haven't, or maybe, in other words, or rather, we failed to attach meaning and purpose to the work that we do. We are working Monday to Friday, sometimes Saturday and Sunday as well, 40 hours, 80 hours, 100 hours a week, as a means towards an end, as a as a way to make money, to pay bills, meet commitments, and this is our primary function. It's a, an abstract notion. This is the one we're chasing. And there's no meaning in it. Uh, we get the feeling there's something missing, but we have to continue doing this stuff that we do, this Monday to Friday dredge of a thing that we call work. Because if we don't, well, Jesus, we don't want to even contemplate that. The Artist Manifesto uh, offers an alternative, and it's coming out on the 15th of October. I should mention, um, if you'd like to support the work that I do, because it, this podcast is free, all the articles I write are free. The only thing I'm charging for is the book that I'm writing. And uh, if you'd like to support me in that work, uh, get over to patreon.com forward slash Larry G. McGuire, and you can see what I'm up to. Uh, keep adverts away from the podcast because uh, they're bullshit, really. All adverts are bullshit. Is lies. <laughs> All adverts are lies. Advertise the whole advertising industry is built on uh, painting up a rag doll or a scarecrow, a straw man, and making it uh, seem pretty and real, and enticing you to buy it. And then when you get it, you feel shortchanged. You feel like you've been sold a pup. That's what marketing is. And all the marketers out there, every single marketer will try and convince you otherwise. Well, most of them. Very few will actually admit that what they're doing is dressing up a doll, you know. Um, it's bullshit. I was talking to a friend of mine today. And uh, we were in business together a while ago. And uh, we were just talking briefly about, I think I had a, had a, had a referral firm. So uh, we got talking and about just briefly about the old days, the bad old days, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, up to maybe 2010, 11. 
and um <clears throat> he says yeah you know what um i got a call funny you should should ring me i got a call we were talking about the old business and he says oh yeah i got a call the other day from the bank trying to sell me shit you know do you want any loans <laughs> you know what i mean uh they're, they're up to their old tricks again you know flogging shit that we don't need and uh, it's the same old turkeys you know and they're at it again you'll see them all over the tv uh they come up with these clever little slogans and their marketing teams uh try and sell us uh loans and financial products that we don't need you know they uh, uh play up this uh, notion that we we have something to live up to show our kids running into fucking tree houses and smiley wives when they get a new car and stuff and they say oh you can have this too you know and that's what all marketing does it appeals advertising and marketing appeals to your emotional brain to your limbic system and uh, most of us relent you know because we think this is real this this world we've built you know which is essentially a system uh, when you look out there everything that we consume all the information pretty much all the information is trying to sell you and me something that we don't need it's trying to sell you on a war in the middle east it's trying to sell you on some bullshit financial product that you don't need it's trying to sell you a new tv it's trying to sell you tickets to a fucking show it's trying to sell you uh, a sexy pair of underwear it's trying to sell you makeup so you look better than you really feel you know social media is the same they're selling all your data and selling you this idea of a perfect world it's bullshit and we're lost in it you know we're we're completely consumed by it they call us consumers because we consume their shit and even the people who who create this shit they believe in it so much you know they build careers around it and uh, am I a marketer? Do I market what I do? You could say that. You could say I market what I do. You could say that every tweet that I bang out there or uh, audio uh, show that I produce or article that I write is about um, selling you something, selling you an idea. You could say that. I don't believe I'm selling anything. I'm presenting an idea. And you either take it up or you don't. And who I'm trying to appeal to with the stuff that I write is people who suspect that they've been sold a pub, you know. And I know there's a lot of people out there who feel that way, who are just tired and sick of feeling the way they do about the life and the work that they do. And really, the only option is to switch off from all the noise, you know, get back to doing stuff primarily for the inherent enjoyment that you get out of it but you see we're convinced that if we don't follow the pre-written rules for life and work if we don't follow this uh, preset program that we're presented with from the time we're little people that uh, we'll fail and that we'll be left at the side of the street you know and that um, lack of lack of success will haunt us and it's just it's such rubbish but when you get the majority of people who believe in it, well, then it has serious momentum. And I'm talking about this uh, this subject. Well, I talk about it all the time. In particular, I'm talking about what happens when it collapses. You know, our idea. We hit the stage where we 
we were sold this bullshit. We went for it. We we didn't doubt that it was true because we don't get any other program presented to us. So we went with it. And then all of a sudden, some day, one day we wake up, the day comes around and we think, hold on a minute, there's something not right here. And then everything starts to fall apart. And we wonder why. And life is chaotic. And we lack the maybe self-assuredness or uh, skills to deal with the problem. So I'm talking about this um, concept this week, you know, chaos and how to find order from chaos uh, in today's Sunday letters. Well, yesterday's, today's Monday. Uh, I didn't get around to record yesterday because, um, well, I was flat out writing and uh, it was late again when I finished up. So between bringing kids around the place and buying me missus a laptop because she needed one for buying stuff that she doesn't <laughs> buying stuff that she doesn't need uh, I was buying I was buying a laptop I had to go up to uh, the local shopping centre and pick one out because I'm a I'm a tech fiend you know I know technology like I buy technology f- purely for its uh, technical features I don't need to be sold a dream you know if I go onto app, the Apple website, it's very clean, it's very beautiful, and it sells an image, you know. It's the uh, Starbucks image of the modern um, member of society, you know. We get to kind of play around your laptop all day and fucking drink coffee. Um, I don't buy that shit. It's pretty. Uh, well, you know something, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be telling a lie. And I'd be a little bit naive if I said that I wasn't affected by marketing strategies because the people who create these strategies know me and you better than we know ourselves. And that's the truth of it, you know. Um, we react emotionally to circumstances, situations. We uh, we don't have much control over that. So uh, news outlets in the media, they, are, they know this, like inside out. And I wrote about the man who probably kicked it all off at around uh, the beginning of the 20th century, um, Edward Bernays. He was a nephew of uh, Sigmund Freud. And uh, it was Bernays who is considered the grandfather of modern public relations, you know. Nowadays, if you have a business and you want people to know about it and get into papers and um, get more people through the door, well, uh, all you have to do is hire uh public relations um executive and uh, they'll get you into papers you know they'll ring up their buddies in the irish independent or whatever and they'll say hey buddy i've got this great story you know and then they write a story and they'll bang it out there and you'll you know people think you're great and you might even think you're great yourself when uh really what you're doing is uh, i suppose seeking to expand your reach and that's fine um but i think uh what's needed is a little bit more awareness on my part and your part because we're being sold shit constantly sold shit that we don't need and uh it's a killer and like i said we live in uh, a particular time of uh particular time and, and and space for our culture western industrialized culture where this is the norm where you wake up you get into your car you turn on the radio and there's someone trying to sell you something and you step out you're driving to work 
um, into the job that you really don't like too much and you look outside and there's billboards up outside and there's flashy images uh, and there's signs on the, on the side of vans and there's all this stuff going on trying to grab your attention. No wonder we're all screwed up, you know? No wonder there's people who feel at a loss for what they're doing despite the fact that maybe they have money uh, or maybe they have a bit of a bank account that that uh, helps them live day to day but there's something there's something missing in all of that you know something that the materialistic things will never will never bring us and uh, I got um got a message today from a, from a bloke that I, I knew from uh, back in the bad old days uh, and we were chatting just messaging over and back on one of those social media platforms I was talking about and uh, you know he wants something different um, he wants to be with his family he doesn't want to work all the time he's got all this responsibility and he's he's been given this role within the company and and he feels honoured and, and the work is like he likes the work from what I read uh, but it's far too demanding of him he can't choose his own hours. He's gone away. Uh, he's to fly out of the country. He's to, he's to spend a lot of time away from his kids. And, and he doesn't like it. And he's got a dream. He's got a dream to do something else. But he can't do it. He's no time. So he's caught in the loop. And he's not uh, different to most people. Um, but something keeps us there, you know. Something keeps us stuck in that. Maybe it's fear that we let, let ourselves down. We've got this ideal that we have to live up to. Maybe that's what it is. And uh, sometimes what happens is uh, certain world events come around. You know, within the sphere of this thing that we operate, that we work and live in, uh, the economy crashes. And we're, our job and our existence is um, inextricably linked to the performance of the broader economy. And when the broader economy fails, then we're left with a pile of shit, you know, and we wonder what the fuck we did it all for. Well, uh, anyway, this is something I think about quite a lot because I was on the receiving end of it and uh, I know how it feels. But um, gladly, after several years trying to figure it out, I've come out the other side and, and realised that there's nothing to figure out, that uh, all the answers that you're looking for are not actually out there, you know. So anyway, The Artist Manifesto. It's a book uh, I'm writing. Uh, nearly finished. I've been nearly finished for ages. And The Artist Manifesto is about the nature of work and how we should work because the current methods and systems do not work. Not for everybody. Not all the time. In fact, uh, the current uh, model for life and work is very much broken. And um, I don't know, maybe the Artist Manifesto will point in the direction of something different, perhaps something better for you. I don't I don't know. All I can tell you is the material that is in this book has been on my mind for a very long time. And with the help of material that I study, that I read and that uh, I listen to, uh, a lot of material which has influenced my thought and the direction of my thought and uh, stuff that. Uh, speaks my language and um, late at night when I listen to it and read it uh, and sit there and go Jesus, so I'm not the only one 
who thinks like this, you know? And that's what's going in the book. It's all about uh, the importance of doing what you're drawn to do and the importance of making a career out of it. Uh, because, you know, when everything else falls apart, if you're not engaged in something that engages you, well then, you can't possibly make anything good from that. It'll just fall apart. Anyway, the Artist Manifesto is out on the 15th of October and today's article, Sunday Letters article, is titled How to Create Order from Chaos. That's coming up next. Sunday Letters, the 30th of September 2018. Many of us in Western industrialised society do not believe ourselves to be creative. We assign creativity to those we see as having natural talent, assuming that the expression of creative or artistic ability is inherent in some, but not in all. We believe that we were not bestowed the gift and therefore we shouldn't waste our time. Besides, in the practical world of things, to pursue the creative life is risky and can never pay the bills. That's the thin script some of us have running in our minds. So hemmed in by disbelief, we often lack the broadness and depth of thought we need in chaotic times. When professional challenges arise, such as a job loss or financial difficulty, we feel unable to cope. Our environment has so successfully conditioned to us, to its norms, that we fail to see the multitude of options and creative possibilities available. In the aftermath of the 2008 economic collapse, I came to this understanding in no uncertain terms. My first business, which I had worked so hard to create, had failed. The climb down from the self-assigned pedestal felt impossible. I had invested my sense of self entirely in my work and the business I had built, and I couldn't separate them. However, I regret none of it. Given that there is no better teacher than experience, there was a benefit to the entire sequence of events. The Emotional Brain I happen to believe that human beings have an enormous ability to overcome chaotic life circumstances. Skills such as courage, grit, resilience and perseverance can provide the route to creative solutions to these problems. To access these skills, the desires and demands of the surface level personality of the ego often need to take a back seat. But given that most of us operate within the strict societal boundaries, it is usually impossible for the ego to relent. In stressful situations, our emotional brain takes over, shutting down our ability to think rationally and objectively. The hippocampus, that area of the brain responsible for memory and learning, cannot be accessed, and we act irrationally. In defence of our fragile selves, we we blame things and other people. We refuse to take responsibility for the results of our own decisions and actions. Having externalised our goals and motivation for achieving them, we lack the unconscious self-assurance required to find a way through. The self-assured state. In the self-assured state, instead of seeing ourselves in opposition to the environment, we see ourselves as part of it. We don't see ourselves as something alien, cast down into the world against our will, left to survive alone in a hostile place. Although the adversarial aspects of the ego often convince us this is so. Instead, we see ourselves as a component of the process rather than separate from it. In this state of mind, we can accept conditions for what they are and exercise patience and reserve in the face of chaos while maintaining the assuredness of right action. There are no mistakes in this state of mind. There are no conditions we can't overcome. 
in many respects there is nothing to overcome. In the self-assured state, the ego-led surface personality fades into the background and the deeper, genuinely creative self comes forward. Now the self, the process and the environment become and act as one system. This oneness with the environment, acceptance of painful conditions and the application of transformational skills do not mean you'll smile your way through hell, but it will allow you to come out the other side stronger and more resilient than you were before. You will subsequently become someone possessing a stable, internalised sense of self, willing to work in harmony with the environment regardless of circumstances, becoming more complex and creatively astute than you were before. The good things that belong to prosperity are to be wished, but the good things that belong to adversity are to be admired. Seneca, Stoic philosopher. The creative personality. It is perhaps impossible to define a single creative personality type that consistently reflects the self-assured state of mind of the successful artist. Because we have seen earlier in this chapter, the self is a moving, changing thing, and traits of personality will always vary from one person to the next. The environment has an effect also. However, there are certain aspects of personality that weigh heavily on how we manage challenges to our creative life and work. In that, unfortunately, some of us are unable to experience the joy of doing things for the sake of it, for we are either too self-conscious and afraid or too self-absorbed and narcissistic when we worry about evoking the correct response from others, or we are so self-absorbed that we focus on only personal profit, happiness is fleeting. Outwardly focused, we rarely afford a creative personality an opportunity for expression. The Autotelic Personality Something that is autotelic has a purpose in and of itself. The word is derived from the Greek autos, meaning self, and telos, meaning goal and is used to explain the nature of consciousness in individuals who engage in complex work for its inherent enjoyment, even when the activity is potentially threatening. The autotelic personality is detailed in the book Flow by psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. The author stresses that individuals he has studied undertake their work not in a frivolous manner to provide short-term stimulation, but as a long-term, often lifetime expression of intrinsic goals. In other words, they engage in their work for the primary purpose of personal enjoyment and challenge. Subsequently, this engagement results in the growth of self. The autotelic self possesses possesses the ability to to transmute challenging, boring or even life-threatening situations into activities that bring about transformative states of being. For the autotelic personality, there are no wasted experiences. They can utilise all life circumstances to their benefit. This does not mean that undesirable conditions are accepted in defeat and hopelessness. On the contrary, the experience is used to challenge the self to uncover unique and creative means to overcome the conditions. Autotelic individuals accept the nature of current circumstances and resolve themselves to determinedly discover the required solutions. Autotelic people do not scramble to be noticed by their peers or the public, and they do not regard the primary reason for engagement in their work as competitive. They do not waste energy in defence of a fragile ego, because it does not exist. The creative work they engage in is something most other people would not have the patience or ability to focus on for the time required to deliver results. Time is often irrelevant to the autotelic personality. 
Many subjects Siklent Mihaly interviewed reported that in their work time both speeds up and slows down depending on the particular task. In many respects, the autotelic personality may come about as a result of upbringing. A more stable childhood environment and the freedom to explore opportunities without obligation to parental expectation may provide a suitable ground for the development of autotelic personality in children. Although some creative people develop autotelic personality in childhood, this does not exclude those who have not from developing the traits later in life. Sixth Mihaly explains as follows the four rules for the development of autotelic personality. Goal setting. The ultimate aim of the self is happiness and fulfilment in the moment of now. When we are engaged in an activity we enjoy, and we do so over the inherent challenge of becoming proficient, there comes about the natural pursuit of goals. We should not think of goals as linear processes whereby we consciously strive step by step to reach a future version of ourselves. Instead, we should regard goal setting as the natural draw towards an inner desire to understand everything about the work with which we engage. The the development of a more proficient version of us may more accurately be said to be a multidimensional, often unconscious process within which we execute daily and hourly tasks. The autotelic person sets goals on an hourly, daily, weekly basis from an intrinsic rather than an extrinsic perspective. In doing so, they continually assess results, adjust their actions and remain consistently aligned with their values. Modifications to their efforts can be made based on feedback from their observed results. Goals are therefore self-directed. Immersion. The development of an autotelic personality can be achieved in part by becoming totally immersed in our work. The type of work we choose to execute is less important than the degree to which we engage with it. There is a great satisfaction and personal fulfilment, for example, in washing dishes or the car in the driveway, as there is on the fringes of the study of quantum gravity. A immersion and relentless focus of attention in a given field of endeavour is of primary importance. That is not to say that we must grit our teeth and grind it out. Rather, it's more to do with dancing or playing with the work than it is toil or laborious effort. Level of skill, of course, and expectation has a bearing on results. If I started an apprenticeship in cabinetry in the morning, it's unlikely I'll be capable of creating a masterpiece by next week. I must accept that my progress will be slow for a while. Unrealistic expectations will invariably lead to failure and disappointment. On the other end of the spectrum, the skilled craftsman must continue to challenge himself to better standards in order to maintain and develop the complexity in himself. To languish in mediocrity breeds discontent. Attention. I like to wash the dishes by hand, and when I do, I am thoroughly engaged in the process. It's like a meditation. If I am not, the wet plate may sky out my hands and hit the floor. Okay, a trivial example, but you get the picture. The same applies to creative people engaged in complex complex tasks. Take a surgeon carrying out a complicated operation, for example, or a photorealistic artist working on a large form of pencil drawing. For both these people, heightened attention to the task at hand is critical to their successful output. The autotelic person is capable of holding their unwavering attention to the task at hand. There is no room for self-consciousness. The focus of attention on what others may be thinking or feeling 
about the work we do is a self-conscious action and will destroy our chances of making something great. Therefore, we must control attention. With deliberate practice, this is entirely possible to achieve. Finally, enjoyment. As you may agree, enjoyment in our work is a crucial factor in allowing ourselves full creative expression. If you and I don't enjoy our work we do, we won't stay the pace. Extrinsic motivation might help you get there for a while, but it won't last. Besides, if you don't enjoy it, what's the point? Work must incorporate an aspect of play in order to satisfy the creative personality. As Stuart Brown, MD, the founder of the National Institute for Play, states in his book, Play. Play seems to be so important for our development and survival that the impulse to play has become a biological drive. Play seems to prepare us for the difficult challenges of life, but when life becomes a constant difficulty devoid of enjoyment, it ceases to have meaning. It seems that most of us regard our work as toil, and as such we can't wait to escape it. And when we do, we engage in activities of low complexity. We largely forgo enjoyment in the workplace for the sake of a pay packet at the end of the month. Work is not supposed to be fun. However, for the autotelic person, fun and enjoyment is an essential aspect of the creative process. You know, I should have probably uh, included a, a, a conclusion to that article, but I was feckin' wrecked and I was all day writing it. And, uh, you know, there's always room for improvement. And I think, um, you know, in the pursuit of perfection, and I think every artist strives for that, uh, and the sensible artist knows that you can never get there. Uh, I'll actually be talking about perfection in uh, chapter chapter, chapter three. I think it's chapter three, the creative work, maybe chapter two, can't remember. But... uh, uh, I, when I'm in my work, whether I'm writing something or whether I'm screwing screws in the wall um, or whatever, it's never perfect, you know? Now, that doesn't mean that I purposely go out of my way to do a less than acceptable job to me. Um, I don't. There's always, when I leave the job, I always kind of reflect and go, I could have done that better, you know? Sometimes people don't want to pay for it. That's all right. Art is different. You know, if someone's paying a grand to you for a commission or something, or a piece of work, um, they're paying for you, so they don't see the imperfection that you see. In fact, it goes for pretty much all work, unless they're completely anal, and they're uh, more technically gifted than you, than you, you know, uh, but however um, that episode that article could have been better absolutely and to be honest with you it's it's kind of as close as I can get to a final draft it's the second part of chapter one and uh, it's as close as I can get to finish but I'll give it one more uh, over overlook look over and uh, I might make some edits but that's pretty much it it's part two of uh the Creative Self, uh, Chapter 8 of the Artist Manifesto. And thanks for listening today. You know, long story short, um, or maybe short story long, making stuff that reflects who we are is the only reason for doing anything.
And I don't believe there's enough of us tuned in enough. We've been tuned out from the time we were kids. Tuned in enough to ourselves to really trust ourselves in what we're doing. And it's it's like this little whisper telling us to stop what we're doing and do something else. And uh, we can only ignore it for so long. Because I think eventually when we're engaged in work that we really don't love, it's fucking soulless and it ends up killing us, you know. Metaphorically speaking or in true terms. I think it's important. At some point everyone will realise it. I mean, you might work your whole life, you'll retire when you're 65. I think it's 70 now you can work till, or they want you to work to, because their little pension scheme is... Um, state pension schemes are fucked uh, been fucked for a long time but um, I think eventually people figure it out you know you retire lots of lots of people die soon after they retire their meaning and purpose for life is gone and I think our, our, our purpose for life has to uh, the meaning we evoke from the work we do has to extend beyond the years that the uh, the corporate structures of the world uh, tell us are right for us, you know. And why should it be? I mean, we're so welded to this idea of how we should live and work. It's fucking nuts, you know. Anyway, the Artist Manifesto, hopefully you change your mind on that. Like I said, it's out on the 15th of October uh, on Amazon. And it'll be there for a couple of months and then it'll be available everywhere. So, uh hope you'll get yourself a copy if you'd like to support the work that i do and get yourself a copy of this book get over to patreon.com forward slash larry g mcguire and uh check out some of the stuff i've got there and uh that's about all i've got for you uh, for now i shall be back later this week perhaps certainly next weekend uh with another episode and uh ultimate until then make sure you're doing what you love and if you're not currently doing it Make some steps towards it. You'll be a happier turkey uh, for a finish. That's the truth. All right. Take it easy. I'll see you later. Good luck.